This is team roping, but here it's from a totally new perspective. It's time to train your brain and start thinking out of the box. Welcome to Out of the Box Podcast in the 2023 year. We are going to be doing this podcast a little bit differently. Um, you know, we've had a lot of good feedback and info from other people. And we're, we're going to start off this year with a series called What It Takes to Be Great, The Championship Mentality. And it's really going to be helping prepare uh, you ropers to be able to improve your game and improve your mental side, your physical side, what it takes in game time situations, how to begin. And I have my good friend Drew Stu on with me. Hi, Drew. Hello, Audie. <laughs> and we're going to be talking to all sorts of different people in this four-part series. It's going to be a great time. Um, Baron is still a part of the podcast, but uh, it's going to be him, uh, me, and Drew Stu just kind of tag-teaming in different areas on this whole podcast. So um, we're just really excited to kind of go a different direction this year and hope everybody enjoys. So thanks again, Drew, for being on. Absolutely. So I want to I want to talk. Everybody has listened to Audra Gentry and Farron have done these podcasts, but I, I've got to step in here a little bit and talk a little bit about Audra. So you all know the Gentry name, of course, Audra's mother and father, Connie and Denny Gentry. So she's been around the team roping world her entire life. What you probably don't know about Audra, and this is this is where we came up with this this idea for this first four-part series on how to win is Audra is a basically a nationally recognized coach. So she has a perspective, whether it may not always be on team roping, she's got a coach's eye big time. So I, so Audra, I got to do this real quick. I got to kind of brag on you a little bit. So, <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> so as a volleyball player, you yourself were a state champion player. And mm -hmm. that's awesome. But where it gets even better is after after you played in high school, you went on to college and you played at Southwestern in Texas. And there you you guys had great success. You were a you are a record holder at that school. You've got mm -hmm. the most kills in a season. You've got the most kills in a five game match. Your team together has the best score, best scoring record of any team from that school before or since. And then, so that's all as a player. So bottom line is you were a badass volleyball player, but then you came back around and you ended up coaching. You come, you go back to Albuquerque and you turn into a coach where seven times you have been in the state finals match. Seven times mm -hmm. out of those seven times, you are a four time state champion coach. And because you and I are friends and I know a little bit of the backstory there as well, there was a lot of those years where at the beginning of the season you were thinking, man, I don't even know if we're going to make it past divisionals. But you ended up taking a group of girls and now are four-time state champion coach. You are in the Hall of Fame at Southwestern University. You just got inducted last weekend, actually. So congratulations on that. You Thank are, you. Uh, and you are the... You've been a Metro Coach of the Year, and here this last year, you were the New Mexico High School Coach of the Year for the entire state. 
So, no, not well. Well, so I wasn't last year, but <laughs> well, whenever it was, wasn't it last year? <laughs> was when like, what? So in 2019 is when I was uh, New Mexico Coach of the Year. Ah, it's close enough. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> so in like in the COVID year, they couldn't find anybody, so they gave Audra Coach of the Year. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was 2019. Oh, it was before COVID. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was before. It was pre-COVID. Okay. Well, hey, the the bottom line, Audra, and, and you and I have talked about this. We talked about it at the finale when we were sitting there checking guys in and, and kind of had this idea. You have a really unique perspective. And I, and tell me, like, it as a coach, it doesn't really matter if it's team roping or volleyball or baseball or running or whatever. There's fundamental principles that are the same across the board. Yeah, you know, obviously, when it comes to tech, technical side of it, there's differences, of course, you know. Um, but when it comes to gameplay, game time, uh, you know, short run time, things in that, even on, on every level, even, you know, from 11 year olds on, there's just a certain sort of mentality that can help, um, that, that I've always kind of as a coach and even as a player, you, you know, a, a little bit what I was known for is I would, I could kind of turn it on, especially when, when it mattered most. Um, so there is that sort of mentality, and I think it goes across the board. I don't necessarily believe it's only based in one sport or another sport. I mean, obviously, there's differences in individual sports like golf or tennis. Um, but, you know, team roping is not an individual sport. You have two people. You have a lot of factors, and that's the same way in any other team sport when it comes to volleyball or basketball or football or baseball, you know. Mm-hmm. There's there there's variables. There's always going to be variables, and it's how you manage and deal with the variables. I think that's part of the way that you can gain a lot of success. So absolutely, absolutely, a lot of different dynamics in the team sports. Well, everybody, mm-hmm. first of all, uh, this is episode number one of this series, and the Audra sent me over the bullet points we were going to talk about, and we are aptly calling this one the starting point because this is yep. ground zero, right, Audra? Yeah, yeah. And and we kind of, you know, Drew and I kind of discussed this a little bit, but, you know, the starting point doesn't necessarily mean it has to be for beginners. You know, I was telling Drew, I'm, I'm, I was a competitive athlete. I'm a little older now, but I'm still trying to compete. And I'm kind of starting over in my journey because, uh, with my knees and my shoulder and my back and, you know, years and years of use. Um, I have a, only a few more years left. I feel I can be competitive. And so I'm playing in a bunch of competitive tournaments this year and I am kind of starting over in a sense, um, on my side of things, even though I have been playing for 20 plus years. So this starting point is going to be talking about not only starting from scratch, starting in the beginning, you've never roped before, you've never done a sport, you know, beginners. It's also going to be, you know, where do I start once I have this goal? I've been roping for a long time. Where do I go from here? What's my next step? How do I improve and get where I need to get in order to start winning more? So that's kind of what we're going to be touching on this this podcast. So. Absolutely. And for those of you out there, you know, my my prime and my roping was the 2000s, early 2000s. And then went to work. And since then, I've been working around the industry every day. But I went from an eight healer, seven header, eight healer to now a straight six both ways. And it kind of breaks my heart that 
my number has dropped, but I'm not that consistent anymore. I don't rope as good as I used to anymore. In my mind, I feel like I should, but I'm starting over because I've got kids and life and work and things just happen. But yeah, I want to get competitive again in roping and in some other things I'm doing. So uh, this starting point, it it truly is. It really is a starting point. And you have to be pretty honest with yourself and just be like, okay, we're going to start from where we are today. The past has no real difference on anything. We're just going to start today. And this is what we're going to do. So Audra, how, where are we at day one? Day one, starting off, what do we do? Well, well, here's my, you know, and I think everybody, and I say this in the kindest way I possibly can. I think as an individual, as an individual, you really have to take a hard look at yourself and an honest look at yourself. You can't, I know sometimes the mind tells you that you might be stronger or whatever it is, um, or your ego tells you something that's different than the actual reality, but you, what we're going to kind of be discussing is assessments of yourself. And the first one is going to be the physical assessment. And our episode two is going to talk about physical preparation. So we're not going to go too heavy into this, but this is just a, a body scan. You know, where are you physically? Uh, what are you where you think you can be to achieve your goal? So if you have a specific goal, I mean, I want to win, you know, I want to win the title fights or I want to do this or that, or you have, you know, or even just a small goal of, I need to be practicing more or however the case is, are you physically able to, is your shoulder in a place where you can lift it up and swing a rope? Are you, are you able to get on your horse and be comfortable on a horse without having immense pain when you get off? And if you're not there, you have to be realistic with yourself on this and, I think if you're not there, then that step has to be first, because if you don't take care of that part first, you're not going to want to have the motivation to get back on your horse when you come off and you can't walk for two days because you are hurting so bad. So you, you really, so my, my perspective is you really need to take an assessment. Where are you physically and what are your goals and do they match? And if they don't match, then to find a way to, to get them there. So I want I want to jump in here uh, for those of you that have known me in the industry. There was a point a few years ago as I was up to 270 pounds and it was really, you know, roping was has always been one of my passions, if not my main passion outside of my family. And I ended up hating it because the two hardest parts of my day were pulling on my cowboy boots was the first hardest thing. And the second hardest part of my day was climbing on my horse. And that was my horses. That was the worst part of his day too. So um, you got to sit down and be really, really honest. And then even now where I'm at today, when I go out to rope the dummy, you know, I used to be able to rope the head and dummy a uh, hundred times in a row every day. I mean, I used to do that all the time. And uh, I've got videos about it on YouTube. But now, man, after like, 10 minutes of roping the dummy, my shoulder's tired, my arm's tired, and it's because I'm not physically in good enough shape. And I'm only 43. So right. I think that's a very, very, just just be honest. And I'll tell you what, being honest with yourself is one of the hardest things in the world to do. It really, mm -hmm. really is. And uh, so you ropers out there, I'm right there with you, especially if you're coming back, just be honest with yourself. 
And if it means you got to go find a physical therapist, if it means you got to go find somebody at the gym, if it means you got to put in some miles on running or whatever, do that prep work and, and just be real with yourself because it will help you enjoy this game even more. And that's the bottom line. You're not going to do it if you don't enjoy it. Audra's absolutely right. If it's painful, you're going to quit. Bottom line. Right. And, and I'll add this part because I'm really bad about this myself. Give yourself a little bit of grace, especially if you're coming back after a surgery or after taking a lot of time off. You might not be where you, you're at. And I know I'm really hard on myself. I mean, I will be like, I'm so terrible. I can't even believe I'm doing this sport. And instead, because my mental is there. So I'm like, I know I used to be able to swing and hit a million balls at practice. Now, if I don't warm up for a good solid 30 minutes, it's going to take me a minute. And and then I start my head and my ego get in the way. So give yourself a little bit of patience and time. Give yourself time to warm up. Give yourself that space to be able to do it. And, and be, while being honest with yourself, be a little bit easy on yourself, especially in the beginning. Let yourself get into it. Now, if you've been training and working hard and then, you know, that's a different that's a different mentality. But once you're just starting back into it, you got to give your body a chance to adjust. You can't, it's not going to be as easy as it was 10 years ago. You know, it, it's not, so. gonna be, it's not going to be as easy. As it was a year ago. Can, can, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about something that happened today. So it's, it's very fresh. It's actually, I made Audra wait an hour and a half for me because of this exact thing. <laughs> so, yeah. so this is real speed. And, and, and about a year ago, you only would have had to wait an hour, but you had to wait an hour and a half. So here's the deal. I started running a couple of years ago, lost the weight, started running and kind of it ignited a new passion for me, believe it or not, which is to go out and get miles on. And so I blew my knee out for the third time in May, nothing to do with running. I just happened to be prone to be doing stupid shit and blew my knee out again. So it's my third ACL, my second one in my left knee. So here I come off of a solid year of running a thousand miles in a year, doing some really long races. And then in May, I blow my knee out and I've gained a ton of weight back, like 40 pounds to be, we're talking about being honest. That's honest. I went from 170 to 215. So, uh, I've I've been running again here for the last month and a half as kind of as my knee would allow it. Well, the last three days, I've kicked it up to five miles a day on a trail run. And I think I should be running eight and nine minute miles where I was a year ago. And I'm not like today I had to walk. I walked like three quarters of a mile today and I just got pissed at myself. And the bottom line is. There's no reason to get mad. Like, yeah, that's what I was doing a year ago after training, you know, minimum 25 mile weeks for a year. And now here I am 15 miles into a week and I'm dying. Well, my legs aren't in shape. I had ACL surgery for the second time in three years. Like you're absolutely right, but it's really hard to not get frustrated. So you ropers Mm -hmm. out there, I'm with you. Like I'm, I'm in the middle of it right now and it sucks and you get mad at yourself, but chill out. Don't go as hard and just get through it. It's better to stack up the little wins than it is a couple big wins and then quit, you know? Right. hundred percent. Yeah. And you just don't want that burnout because it's just a lot easier to, to, in my perspective, it's easier to have the burnout 
when you're older. Mm-hmm. When you're younger, you feel like you have to do something or your parents want you to do it or that you've spent a lot of time. But when you're older, you're like, I have kids, I have a family. I don't necessarily really want to do this. And that's the burnout that you want to avoid because it's at the end of the day, it's still probably, it's still a hobby. I mean, I'm, maybe some of you listening, it's more than a hobby. It's your job. And that's probably different. But I think the majority that we're talking to, this is supposed to be your hobby. So don't, don't, you know, burn yourself out so early because you're frustrated and then you don't jump back on a horse for another six months. So absolutely. It's just a, I, so, I, I, but let me oh, let me interject one thing. Sorry, so oh, no, I, I, I just got to interject one thing. Audra is one of the most competitive people I've ever met in my <laughs> life. So, so please don't think that she's saying go easy on yourself. <laughs> no, because she's not, and nor am I. But this Mm-mm. goes back to the reality check. Be real with your goals. Be real with where you are physically at this point. And be just be honest with yourself. That doesn't mean don't try hard. That's not what we're saying. Try hard. Try actually don't try do hard, but just do Mm -hmm. at the level you're at right now and consistently work to the next goal. And don't, don't, don't try to overtrain yourself and get frustrated. So I just wanted to throw that in there. So none of it's easy if you're trying to achieve big things. If you're trying to be a guy that's going to win the finale or a gal that's going to win the all girl at the U S finals or whatever, and beat all of these competitors, you're dang sure going to have to work hard on it. Bottom line, just be honest where you're at. Exactly. Yep. That all starts from there. And that kind of segues into our next uh, segment, which is the time assessment. Oh boy. So this kind of goes along with the physical part of it. um, What we were just discussing you really have to be honest about how much time you realistically can dedicate a day. Um, if it's not a day, if it's three times a week, then if you dedicate, if you decide that that's the time and the amount that you're going to dedicate, then you have to follow through with that. That it, or the alternative is if you don't have a ton of time, which I understand, you know, everybody we're, we're talking mostly to adults at this point. Um, I'm sure in this podcast, if you don't have the time, then be okay with being patient because if you don't have the time, your goals are going to be pushed out farther. Let's say you only have one day a week. Well, guess what? If you want to go win the finale and you have one day a week that you can spend it may or may not happen. I mean, maybe if you get lucky and, you know, draw the best steers you get, you know, there's potential there, but on it, but your possibility or your chances are a lot lower if you don't put in the time. So you have a choice. You, you make a lot of time for your goals and then you'll, you'll see some of your goals come to fruition or you don't make as much time, but as much time as you can give. But be patient with the fact that you may not win those ropings anytime soon. Maybe not a year down the road, maybe two years down the road. And if that's your goal, then great. So that's also, again, another honest conversation you have to have with yourself. And again, you cannot get frustrated if your goal is something high and then you're only spending. I'm, I guarantee you Stephen Curry doesn't spend one day a week shooting threes. I promise you that he wouldn't have ever made the NBA if he spent one day uh, a week doing it. His goals were extremely high. He wanted to be the best NBA player um, and arguably is in that conversation. Right. But um, 
but he, you you have to imagine he's probably out there uh shooting threes for five hours a day you know mm-hmm. so so it's kind of like time versus reward and what you're willing to give up on with your time and versus what rewards you're trying to look for absolutely and you know the i mean if we look at you you and i are a little bit privy because we're on the inside so we kind of know what our demographics are especially at the world series of team rope and so the world series of team rope is going to fall in to this middle-aged roper right like from from where i am at 43 to the mid 50s and there's there's a bunch of guys that are older than that for sure but the bulk is right in there you know from from 40 to 60 let's say those 40 to 60 year old ropers, both men and women are competitive. The World Series of Team Rope and those, those men and women are, you know, the, the bulk of those people are fours and fives and the bulk of those people have jobs and are, are business owners. And I say all of this to say that we're competitive people and we're busy people. We have families, we have jobs, we have businesses we own. So we've got a pretty, pretty good mindset already of what it takes to be successful. I, I truly believe that. I think we have a very unique niche market here with Team Ropers. With that being said, everything that Audra just said is paramount. If you think your day is busy and you think your day is busy from seven in the morning until whatever time at night, but roping is what your goal is. You need to start getting up at five. My alarm set at 430 in the morning right now because I've got business goals. I've got running goals. I've got work and I've got my kids that I got to give time with at night and my wife. So there's only one place I could add time. And that was in the morning. And believe you me, I am not made to get up that early. I absolutely hate it. But that's what I do on a, on a lot of days, like 90 percent, especially in my work weeks. I'm up at 430. And it's because I've set these goals. And do I like it? No, I really don't. But I didn't have any time. I did an assessment of my time and I needed to make more time. And if you make the time, like today, I had an hour and a half. And it it ended up, this one ended up being kind of in the middle of my work day, ended up being my lunch. But I had to get it in. I had to get it in. And if you really want it, you can get it in there. But like Audra says, you have got to be honest with yourself. And if you want it, you got to make the time space for it. Right. And and again, if your goal is a distant goal, <clears throat> if you're just starting out and you're like in 2024 is when I want to rope for the finale, then, you know, then 30 minutes a day or less, you, you still can achieve that, but you're not, it's not going to be fast. So the whole, you know, instant gratification, it just doesn't happen it doesn't happen in sports in general. I'm sorry to say to some people who, especially the kids I coach, I'm like, I'm sorry, especially if you have bad technique. You know, I spend a lot of my time correcting technique and to fix someone's bad habit takes a long time. And I, um, I will say this, it takes twice as many of those reps to fix some of that bad technique. So some kids will say, well, I, how do I, you know, change my approach? And I'm like, well, you've been doing it for two years. So, we're going to have to put in the time and it's a kind of the same sort of deal. You know, that time is really important. And, and then we'll, you know, we'll go to the next step. It's, uh, uh, be realistic financially about what you can or cannot afford. You know, that's something huge. And I think, you know, being in this industry for a long time, maybe that's where people (laughs) falter a little, (laughs) 
<laughs> because we love our hobbies and, <clears throat> you know, you want to spend a lot of money and, and, but realistically, you know, it, it is an investment. How much are you willing to invest? You know, you take before you even begin this hobby, if you never have team roped before, <laughs> it costs some money. You can tell, ask any roper out there. It costs money. So how, how much do you want to invest? You know, do you need to get a horse? Are you going to borrow a horse? What about an arena? What about a dummy? What about a rope? You know, what the, the money, you know, entry fees, gas prices, vet bills. truck, the vet bills, uh, trailer, borrowing someone's truck. I mean, there's a lot of components that go into it. So it's definitely, it, it's a rewarding hobby, but you, you really, really need to take a look at how much you're willing to spend and where you're willing to allocate those, your finances to be able to do what you want to do. Absolutely. Um, so the cool thing about the industry that we're in, it is the pretty much the only amateur sport in the world. I hate using the word amateur. Uh, your mom always tells me not to use that word. And so we, <laughs> so we say, we don't say amateur, we say recreational. It's the only mm -hmm. recreational sport in the world that actually does pay back. And that will trap us a lot of times too. But see how this all starts to tie together. So the finale ropens, the number nine rope and dang near paid 200,000 a man this year. That's a significant amount of money. And it paid everybody that made the short round, you know, so you can win a significant amount of money. Just the local world series ropens pay back a significant amount of money on a $150 entry fee. So there is an opportunity for you to benefit financially in this deal or at least keep your money together. But in order to do that, we got to loop back to the time. You've got to get, you've got to put your time in. You've got to put your practice in and we'll get into that. We'll get into the tools, the research and all of that as we go, but you'll start seeing how all of this is linked together. So your success is not based on one thing. It's based on all of this stuff. And this is a very expensive sport right now, especially with horse prices and diesel and everything else. It's pretty expensive if you're just getting into it, but it's also a very rewarding sport as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and kind of tying into it, you know, honestly, there's a lot of ways that you can kind of learn about the sport without, you know, without even taking step one and and there are so many tools online unlike ever before i mean youtube is a great tool uh, roping.com is amazing uh so many tips from some of those pros and it doesn't cost a ton of money and and you know you have a lot of stuff at your fingertips instagram i see instagram clips all the time of people teaching teaching techniques and stuff like that you know so um if you're even if you're just curious you know, or even trying to improve certain tiny things, use your tools, use the research. I'll tell you as an athlete, I wish that, you know, I, I played in, I graduated in 2010. So I played most of my years were 06 through 10 when I played college ball. And, um, there is a few things that I wish that I had done better. One of them is I wish I had done more research on technique online, but I will say this, it wasn't around back then for me. I mean, there was not a lot of coaches putting a lot of information online on YouTube. Um, but I will say I, I play sand volleyball. I play doubles and I love to watch the pros and I love to kind of, I go in and I watch, I have, there's a lot of videos about, um, 
you know, strategy in the sand. And, you know, I'm in my mid thirties, so I don't have a coach to help me. (laughs) So whatever I do, I take as my own research to then help myself. And so if you're, you know, even if you're trying to start small, even if the finances are not quite there, the internet, you have a, most everybody has a phone at their fingertips and they have YouTube and there's so many resources for you to be able to improve without spending a lot of money. Absolutely. That is one thing I've talked to. I've talked to guys all the time that, uh, you know, are professionals and ask them why, why is roping getting, you know, we thought it was as tough as it could get with, we had Jake and Clay and then Speed and Rich. And, and, you know, now it's a toss up between a handful of guys. I mean, there's more guys doing it than ever before going fast. And the, the amount of money at the finale and the size of the U.S. finals and then every other jackpot between here and there. So how how is it that the sport has gotten better? And the number one answer is because of what you just said, technology. You can YouTube it, you can Google it, and you can go to Ropen.com and you can learn about all of this stuff and it's not going to cost you a lot of money. You don't even have to go to a clinic. Although clinics help immensely, you don't have to. You can do it all at home, which kind of leads us in to the next thing. How important are the tools of the trade? Right. Yeah. You know, you have to have your tool. You you know, you can do all your research. And I think that's a great starting point. But then, you know, I think, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, Drew, but, you know, a rope's not too expensive and you can get a dummy and you could even make a dummy, honestly, out of a bale of hay and, you know, you can easily get in there and start practicing um, kind of from the ground up, even if you don't have a lot of space, you don't have an arena, anything like that. So the tools are, are pretty, are pretty important. The tools are extremely important. That's, that's actually where I cut my teeth in the marketing part of the entire industry was at Helomatic and was, was very fortunate in helping design uh, design a lot of the stuff that's out there today when I was at Helomatic in the late 2000s. And and one thing that we have seen in conjunction with the research we were talking about technology-wise is the physical technology that we have and, you know, how technological is a rope and dummy. Not really, but, you know, for a few hundred dollars, let's say four or five hundred bucks, you can, you can get a really good rope and dummy for the headers healers, a sawhorse goes a long ways. Like literally go find a wood sawhorse, get some baling twine and tie it up so the back legs are three inches off the ground. And there's your, there is the best healing dummy there is on the market right now is a sawhorse. I mean, and then from there you progress up to, do I go buy a Smarty? Do I go buy a Helomatic? And you have these companies that have been developed by the best ropers in the world, used by the best ropers in the world, and it will help you reach those goals so much faster. Now let's go back to the loop. Let's talk about our circle of success one more time. One of the biggest things that we talked about was our time commitment. You can Mm -hmm. throw more loops on a Helomatic or a Smarty in 30 minutes than you will ever get to throw on cattle, ever, in a million years. Healers, especially for you. Healing, it's all about reps because you're getting in time. You got to put your rope down when the feet are up, right? So to get those reps, the absolute best way to do it 
is on a dummy where you can sit there and shoot free throw after free throw after free throw after free throw. And I'm sure, Audrey, you did the same thing. I'm sure there were the little drills that add up to so much in the long run. That's what a helomatic does. That's what a dummy on the ground is. You've got to get those reps in. So when you're talking about your time commitment, if you want to maximize your time, maximize your repetitions in a small amount of time and be the most efficient with your practice, you've got to use the tools that are out there today, 100%. And you know what, uh, what the, the, one of the tools that, you know, we talked about technology and all of that. One of those tools that people don't even realize, and I do this all the time when I do private lessons, I film it yep. and I show my kids because you don't know, you can't, sometimes you can't feel what you're doing wrong. A lot of times, most people can't feel what they're doing wrong. And they're like, dang, I've done this 17 times and I am not, it's not changing what's happening. And so with that, with the kids that I coach, I'll film it mm-hmm. and I'll say, I want you to look at it. So it's a different perspective. You, everyone has a phone, set it up when you're practicing on the dummy, just you can watch how you're, you're doing it and you can even watch your progression. You know, you can watch week one versus week five and you keep those videos and, or if you have some colleagues that are good ropers or some buddies, you'd be like, Hey man, this, look at this video. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Um, wh- what do I need to fix? What's, you know, it's that tool. You don't even, you already probably already have on your, on your person. So Along with practicing, use what you have in order to help yourself to get better. And like Drew was saying, you know, I, I just had a volleyball and I had a wall and I would pass against the wall over and over and over and over again until it would drive my mother insane because she would just hear <laughs> bang, bang, bang. And then she's like, don't play ball in the house. Me and my sister would pass over and over and over. Then we'd go outside and practice over and over. And, you know, I'll even tell kids at home, I'll say, Hey, I need you to do this kind of this homework. Whenever you get home, I need you to really, you know, hit, hit the ball against the wall. I need you to do it 10 times or I need you to jump a certain way. So, you know, in volleyball, we talk about kills or it's, it's spiking. It's hitting the volleyball. Um, there's a way to do it. Uh, that's the proper technique. And a lot of times I have to fix that as a coach. So I will tell them, I need you to do it. 25 times a day, just every single day, that'll take five minutes max. And it's not about the physical exertion. It's more about the muscle memory. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with rope and the dummy. You know, it's muscle memory. It's training yourself. But you want to also be sure you're not doing it wrong because you don't want to get yourself into a bad habit or a bad deal. And then you're eventually trying to break it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that dives right into this deal of asking for help. Do not be scared if you're starting or if you're starting over, there's a local hero where you're at. I promise you. There's a guy or a gal that ropes really good that's local. Talk to them. Ask them. Show them your videos. And ask for help. Do not be scared of it. That That is one of the biggest things. And, and you touched on it here a second ago. You've got these poor kids that, and, and as a kid, it's a little bit different. Well, it's not a little bit different, but their parents may not have asked for help from the right people. The kids were just doing it, but it would be way better and way easier and re- way more rewarding for the long run if you have a good foundation that you get from somebody else that is teaching mm-hmm. you the right way. Heaven forbid they show you the wrong way, but you know, hopefully they're showing you the right way to do it. Go ask people and ask them about the whole game. 
How much time do you put in? How many loops should I throw? Is my loop big enough? How's my slack look? Am I handling everything right? What is my coil size? So on and so forth. All of those little things. But don't just think you're, you're not on an island. You are definitely not on an island by yourself. There are a million people out there that could help. And here's the thing. Some person may give you 50 things. Just try to walk away with one. Walk away with one thing. Don't overwhelm yourself. Work on that one thing and then move on. But do not be scared to ask for help. Yeah, this is something I really, um, and we'll talk about it more in the mentality side of things because uh, it's something extremely important. You know, people always kind of make fun of my timeouts because my timeouts last 10 seconds and then the girls are back on the court. So everyone's like, well, what did you say? And I said, I said the important thing they needed to hear. I'm not going to overwhelm a team with 25 things because it doesn't matter if you're a kid or if you're an adult. Typically when you're being told too much information, you're only going to be hearing one or two parts of it. You're not always going to be absorbing five or six or seven parts of it. So basically start fixing different things that are small and work your way through them. Don't try to do all of it all at once. It's it's impossible anyway. So work on the little things you need to work on and then move forward. It's just like when I tell kids, I'm like, sometimes I'll tell them to fix their feet, but their arms look bad. They don't hit the ball over the net. But at that point, I don't really care because the first goal is to fix the feet and then we're going to get to the arms. But I can't do that without without those steps being made. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we, you can't do that without fixing the feet because then the arms are going to be wrong regardless. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same sort of mentality, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. What's my position like? What, what, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Like do one step at a time, one mm-hmm. step at a time for sure. And that, like I, I keep referring to the circle of life here, that goes back to the research, ask the right people, in your research, go online and find it and then do it and then ask somebody if you are doing it right or what they think, how you should do this and do those little steps first. Absolutely. It's good stuff. Right. Good stuff. And, and you know, and then at that point, I think you're ready. Um, you know, then it goes to the next step, which is the more, well, probably the most difficult for some you know, it's the horse. <laughs> and I think Drew can, yeah, this is a whole can more episode. talk about that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a whole different different oh. an animal without being very punny. Yeah, super <laughs> punny. Super punny. Not very funny, but really punny. So <laughs> the horse the horse side of this deal is a whole everything that we've just talked about could you know, we could be talking about volleyball or or team roping like the act of roping everything that we're talking about there is the physical act of roping you could take everything that we just talked about and just deal with horsemanship without even Mm -hmm. a rope in your hand like how are you physically how much time do you want to spend on the back of your horse have you watched chris cox horsemanship have you watched any of these guys have you ridden with a cutter or a rain or a reined cow horse guy have you ridden with a High level rope horse trainer. Have you, you know, have, have all of this stuff ties in horsemanship is its own deal that is super important to this game. So, but, 
but but also all these things we're talking about can all be attributed to horsemanship. It's Absolutely. almost like its own separate entity when yes. it comes to, Agreed. to this. Agreed. Agreed. 100% because we could all if we're all just working on our arm and we can be, we could, we could all be number 10 ropers, right? Like on the dummy <laughs> and then you get on a horse. And I've seen, I've seen this a million times. I was fortunate enough to run with the cutters for a long time with my announcing. And we'd go to some of these ropings and I watched the best guys in the world on horseback. You put a rope in their hand and it looks like they forgot to, they forgot how to ride. And it, so it goes both ways, right? So you can take a guy that is the best roper in the world and put him on a horse that's not perfect and he's not going to rope that great. So it, right. it, it all ties together and the, the, the roping side of, or the horsemanship side of it is super important. And that time commitment that you have, you've, you've got to spend some time in the saddle. If you want to get good in rope, you got to spend some time. And I mean, I'm talking just spending time, just wet saddle blankets. You know, you need to wear the hair off the inside of your legs and go out and spend some time riding and then go back and do the things that we talked about, the research, the tools, and learn about your horsemanship, especially your horsemanship that pertains to roping. Headers, you've got a whole list of things, a whole litany of things that you want to do on your horses from how they score, leaving flat, rating, how they handle a horse, how they handle a steer through the corner, how they face. Healers, kind of the same deal. How they break? Are we in the left lead? You know, if we have a right leaded horse, how do we make sure they get in the left lead and we're not tripping in the corner? And, you know, our position coming around the corner, are we too high? Are we laid way back? Are we roping on the gain? Are we, are we bumping and dumping? All of that stuff, you know, having our horse stop on the hind end versus pegging on the front end, all of those things will make us better ropers in the long run. But you got to, you got to know what you're talking about and you got to know how to assess those things and you have to, you have to learn how to correct them or at least how to know what is wrong or, you know, what is needed. And that is one thing that I, I will have to say this about the rope horse industry. We've gotten a lot better about our horsemanship over the last decade for sure. But that is a very, very important deal and it is a huge deal on its own. <laughs> like that's its own right. category of all this stuff. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, again, it kind of loops back around to, to asking for help too. You know, mm -hmm. I, I know it's hard to, it's hard to know on, again on your own and especially if you're new. So really, really don't be afraid to ask buddies for help, ask other people for help because the best of the best take from other people. And so you really want to be able to not be, not be worried. And if someone makes fun of you, I have a story to tell you guys. So Drew and I have been friends for a very long time. <laughs> and I, you know, back about 10 years ago, I was up in Montana and, uh, Drew was making fun of me because I didn't know how to saddle a horse because he said, you're Denny and Connie Denchy's daughter and you don't even know how to saddle a horse. And you know what? I was embarrassed for a good solid five years. Uh, now, if I, Drew told me that, I would have told him to jump in a lake. But then I think with, it's kind of With way different words than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe a little stronger words. But um, back then, it kind of... it it kind of, you know, turned me off to even wanting to try because I had just wanted to try to learn how to rope. And I was, 
I was already a little insecure about it because again, it is, you know, when you, your family's done this forever and, and yeah, you can't sell a horse. It's pretty embarrassing when you're 22 years old. So, um, now I can, but also, you know, and Drew's changed. I mean, he's, him and I are good friends. <laughs> That's so. a long story to just say that Drew is an a-hole. Thanks, Audrey. Appreciate that. Don't ever learn from Drew. He's going to tell you you're dumb. <laughs> no, that was really where I'm coming from is that people might make fun of you or might tell you you're dumb. And who gives a crap at this point? Because if you're trying to learn and you want to get better and you want, I mean, I'm definitely a lot more secure now than I was when I was 22. So now, now, you know, I don't care, but I think at that point, you know, everyone's a little, a lot of people can be a little bit intimidated or afraid mm-hmm. or d- don't want to feel stupid. And you can't let that, uh, dictate how you act, you know, especially if it's something that you love to do and that you have a passion for. So, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> sorry, Drew. So <laughs> sorry you, to throw you under the bus there. If any Pal. of you out, if any of you out there <laughs> want to have some personal lessons from me, I'm not very good at teaching roping anymore, but I will thicken your skin up real fast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, At least he used to, not not as yeah, much anymore. I, I've become softer. That is for sure. I've definitely <laughs> become softer. But no, you're yeah. you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, you know, don't 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 get offended by people. Just just realize you're on this. You're going to be on this journey kind of by yourself a little bit. And anything that is anything that has to do with sports is a pretty independent deal. That's for sure. Now you need help from other people, but this is going to be your own journey. And uh, that's what this podcast is here to do is to help you. Today was the starting point and we dang sure hope we got something you or that you got something out of it, Audra. I, I think your expertise on coaching, I think this is your wheelhouse and it's really beneficial to the ropers. And to be honest, just sitting here having this conversation, I've been sitting here making notes. You know, I, I've got some goals with, with my running, with my ultra marathon stuff and this helps me put things back in a perspective, you know? So, um, I hope everybody got something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll say this, it really starts in, you know, we've harped on it a million times. I'm going to say, I'm going to harp on it one last time before we end this podcast. It starts with your assessment. You need to really make sure that you're assessing yourself and, and everyone's different. Everyone's personalities are different. Their goals are different. Like Drew said, it's a personal journey. So make your assessment, uh, tailor fit to yourself and what you know you can accomplish based off of your time commitment, your job commitment, your family, your kids, your life, your wife, whatever the case is, you make that assessment, write it down, make notes about it, and then do your best to follow through. Obviously, not every day is going to be perfect. And so some days you may not follow through, some weeks you may not follow through. But if you can have those goals set out and written down, and I think that's really important to write them down because that puts them in a physical space, then then you can take the next steps moving forward um, into what we're going to go into next week, which is going to, we're going to basically talk about, uh, you know, championship mentality if the physical side of it what it takes to really get there physically uh, we kind of touched a little bit on it today but we're really going to dive into physical fitness physical health even technical stuff when it comes to roping or just in general when it comes to 
you know, we're, I, I would say team ropers are athletes. Uh, some people would argue because some golfers would argue they're not athletes, but I would say that they are. And so well, that's really what we're going to go with next week. But, and I hope you join us and have enjoyed this and learned something. Uh, I've, I really have enjoyed talking with you, Drew, and your perspective. Uh, we're just getting started. I think this is just, again, the starting point, the tipping point on where, and, you know, the next we'll go to physical and then the next week is going to be mental and mentals really where, um, where I feel like I have a little bit of expertise on. So thanks Drew for being here. You know, Drew, Drew tries to downplay himself a lot, but Drew's been in this industry for over 20 years and, and, and I know everyone sees him as the face, but Drew has a lot of knowledge about the sport and about team roping and it has met and been around so many uh, mentors and icons within this industry. So he, he brings a lot of value uh, to the conversation. So even though he, he won't brag on himself much, you know, I, I may have the, the coaching expertise, but Drew has been in this industry for very, from, you know, from when he was young up until now, not saying you're old Drew, but, Thanks, You're not Audra. as young and spry as you were at one point. <laughs> go, sa- go saddle a horse, Audra, would you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, next time you come to Albuquerque, I'll show you. I can okay. saddle a horse. How about that? Okay. <laughs> well, all right. Well, thank, I, thank you. Thanks, Drew, for being on with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Audra. And I think this is absolutely great information for every roper out there at any level. If you are, if you're starting your roping game, if you're going to come back from a roping game, which I think is where a lot of us fall, life gets in there. This is a point, even if you feel like you are real consistent, but you want to take it to the next level, this is, this can be the starting point. And this is episode number one. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you. And see you next time on Out of the Box.